Thank you for downloading this sermon from Grace Presbyterian Church. Grace is a church where people seeking more grace, more depth, and more community can start finding their way and sharing their gifts with the world. You can follow us online at graceforsufalls.org. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Father, we ask that You would give us good things from Your Word, that You would give us the grace to hear them, receive them, and to live them. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I have a pastor friend who's in the process of leading a capital campaign at his church. In other words, they're raising money to build a building. And I'm always grateful someone else is doing that instead of me. But he was sharing his notes with me, and I was intrigued because I thought, well, one day we're going to have to do this, and I want to know how to talk about it the right way. And as he was sharing a letter that he'd written, a phrase jumped out at me, and the phrase was this, He wrote, generosity is discipleship. Generosity is discipleship. If you think about that, it makes sense. Because discipleship is a process, like sanctification, by which we are made more and more like Jesus. And as we are made more and more like Jesus, one of the things that has to change about us, one of the things that we have to grow more in is generosity. When we think about the attributes of God, we think about His character, we often fail to reflect on the way that Scripture testifies to His generosity. That God is a God who gives generously. That He lavishes gifts upon us. And Jesus here brings this character trait of God's to the forefront. He tells us to start asking for things from God because God is a generous Father. If you think about where we are in the Sermon on the Mount, we've reached an interesting place in Jesus' sermon. The overarching theme of the sermon has to do with God's kingdom and how to live in the kingdom of God. Remember, Christ is the King that, that Matthew portrays as coming in answer to God's promise. Jesus is the King, and so the coming of Jesus means the coming of His kingdom as well. His kingdom is here. And now He's preaching to us and telling us how to live in His kingdom. At the end of chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel, He told us that you live in the kingdom by loving. By loving not just your neighbors, but also your enemies. And since then, throughout chapter 6, and now here in chapter 7, He's giving us more examples of what that love would look like. What would it look like to actually love the way that we're called to love. He told us at the beginning of chapter 6 that we needed to stop performing righteousness and actually practice it. He told us to start praying the way that Jesus prays to His Father. He told us to stop serving money and to stop serving fear. And He told us last week to stop judging. 
as well. And now he tells us to start doing something. He told us earlier to start praying. Now he tells us to start asking. Start asking God for things because he's a generous father. Theologian William Hendrickson makes an interesting point. It's a point that you'll see repeated in a lot of commentaries or study Bible notes on this passage. That the three imperatives in verse 7, the three verbs, ask, seek, and knock, have a sort of rising quality to them. Like They seem to grow in intensity. In fact, when he writes them, he writes them in a way that suggests this. So he writes, ask, and then he writes, seek, in italics, got a little bit more intense, and then he writes, knock, in all caps. Right? So we're stair-stepping up. There's asking, and then there's seeking, and then there's knocking. Asking is a humble plea made with a consciousness of your need. But seeking, Hendrickson said, is like asking plus acting. Like asking, but then acting on the ask. It's an active endeavor to actually obtain the fulfillment of the need. And then knocking goes even farther. That's asking plus acting plus persevering. Because one knocks again and again at the door until the door is finally opened. And when looking at all of Jesus' words here, Calvin says the context is, is prayer. This is an echo of what Jesus said in chapter 6, verses 7-15, through 15, when he said, start praying like this. Now he's coming back to this idea. Start asking is another way of talking about prayer. Calvin calls it an exhortation to prayer. But Hendrickson is more specific. He calls it, an exhortation to persevering prayer. To persevering prayer. Ongoing prayer. Because these imperatives are all in the present tense and they suggest an ongoing state of affairs. Something like always be asking. Always be seeking. Always be knocking. He writes, The Father loves His children and cares for them, but He wants them to ask for the things that they need. So Jesus here invites us to ask the Father for what we need. Sinclair Ferguson, when he treats this passage, sees it the same but a little bit different. He sees it in chapter 7, what we looked at last week and now this week, as really a question about seeing, how we see things. Right? Last time when we talked about judging, we saw the focus was on your own holiness, the pursuing holiness and humility, and part of that was seeing yourself Clearly, not being a hypocrite, right? not being blind to your own sin and just focusing on the sins of others, but actually seeing your own sin and working on your own sin. And that makes you better able to love and to help your brother. And now, Jesus is correcting our vision again, but it's not our vision of ourselves, it's our vision of God. Where you thought He was high above, and you thought he didn't care about your concerns, that your needs were beneath him, or that he's severe and exacting and is not the kind of person that you would take these needs to, Jesus says, no, you don't see him rightly. If you want to see the Father rightly, you must see him as a father, a loving father who desires to give to his children. When you see God clearly, you'll realize that he's a generous father and that you can ask him for good gifts with confidence that He will answer. This is the God we worship. This is the kingdom 
that we live in a kingdom of generosity. Ferguson writes, we shall never really understand the wonder of His grace until seeking mercy like beggars before a judge, we discover that He wants us to be His sons and daughters. So Jesus is teaching us how generous the Father is. And He's using examples of human generosity to give us a point of reference. You're generous. You have a kind of generosity. The people around you show generosity. And Jesus points that out, but He puts it in a certain context. And it's a great context. right? Jesus says, uh, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? If you who are evil know this, you're like, Jesus, that's harsh. And Jesus could be harsh sometimes. The point He's making is, yeah, you're evil. You're a sinful person. But even you are generous to your children. But generally speaking, even the worst people Even the stingiest people show some generosity towards their children. You're evil, Jesus says, but you wouldn't give your kids stone instead of bread to eat. You're evil, but you wouldn't give your kids snake to eat instead of a fish. It's not that human parents never treat their children badly. Of course they do. They're evil, like Jesus says. But it's interesting that when they do, The rest of us are appalled by it. Even though we're evil too, when we see parents treating their children badly, it seems wrong to us. It doesn't seem like it ought to be that way. So Jesus is is working with us with that common experience, saying, you know what generosity is. You've seen generosity. You've seen how generous even a, a sinful parent can be to a child. And if that's true, then how much greater should our expectations be when it comes to God. If even evil parents can be generous to their children, what should your expectations look like when you ask God for things? Now, obviously, the point he's making here has, uh, we might say, uh, a a twofold purpose. The first one, and, and this is the one that I think we could almost skip over without realizing, that what Jesus is inviting us to do here is to think of his Father as our Father. Remember, that's how he taught us to pray. Our Father. Not just Jesus' Father, but our Father too. To go to the Father as if He were our Father. But your expectations of God should be conditioned on the idea that He's your Father. That He loves you. That He wants to be generous to you. If you're not seeing God as a benevolent Father, then you're not seeing Him rightly, Jesus says. Because that's what He actually is. He wants to give. He wants to bless you. He wants to be good to you, and you should see Him that way. Which leads to the more obvious point that Jesus is making, which is that we should start asking. We should start asking God for things because God is generous. In other words, in the kingdom, God's children should always ask with an expectation of fulfillment. We shouldn't pray to Him and, and, and pray to Him as if we're kind of assuming the answer is going to be no. But just in case, I thought I'd throw it out there. I know you're not a God who likes to you know, do things for people. I know you don't like to just indulge my whims, but I was just hoping that maybe this once 
you would answer me with, with generosity. That's not the way to pray to this God, Jesus says, because praying to him that way gets him entirely wrong. He's the God that you can pray to with expectation. He's the God that you can pray to as if he wants to give you what you're asking for, as if he has a desire to satisfy your expectations. Jesus emphasized this in his language. He says, it will be given to you. Not it may, or it might, or if you pray hard enough, or if you're sincere enough, maybe if you catch him on a good day, it will be given to you. He says, it will be given to you. You will find. It will be open to you. That is the God Jesus presents to us. That is the Father He introduces to us here. A Father who when we ask, gives. When we seek, allows us to find. And when we knock, opens the door to us. There's a question though that I ask myself when I read this, which is what, what's the problem that Jesus is addressing here? Usually in Scripture, if, if somebody teaches us to do something, there's some situation it arises out of, some need that that teaching comes out of, and, and that's the question. Why do we need to be told this? Why do we need to be told to ask? Like, what are the reasons why we wouldn't ask God? In ordinary life, just thinking human to human here, there are a lot of reasons why you might not ask for the things that you want from other people. I think one of the biggest reasons we wouldn't ask someone else for something we want is the fear that we wouldn't get what we're asking for. Nobody likes to hear a no, and sometimes if you would just assume the answer is no, you don't bother to ask. Maybe the person doesn't have the power to give you what you want, or maybe they have the power, but, but you don't think they have the desire to give you what you want, what would be the point of asking if you're just going to get a no? There's another situation though, where I find it hard to ask, which is when maybe, maybe that expectation will be fulfilled, but I know there will be strings attached. There are people you could ask for things and they could give them to you, and maybe they'd even be willing to give it, but it wouldn't be a free gift. There'd be something that would come along with it. They would have further expectations of you. You'd be more in their debt. And in those circumstances, maybe you don't want to ask. Sometimes we don't ask because we've already got it covered. Sometimes I don't ask you for what I need because I'm hoping to get it from someone else. Because I'm looking to someone else to fulfill that need not to you, and that's why I wouldn't ask. Of course, as you hear those rationales, all of them could easily apply to why we don't ask God for things. We don't ask because we think He's going to say no. Not because He doesn't have the power to give, but not the desire to give. We ask because we think there would be strings attached. Sure, I could ask God for something, and maybe I'd get it, but then He'd expect me to live a certain kind of life that maybe I wouldn't be able to live. Don't ask God for things because we're hoping to get them some other way. Because we're trusting in some other source. But the Apostle James, when he thinks about this question, he actually points us to something deeper than all of those human motivations. If you look in James chapter 4, right, this is uh, 
a relatively famous passage, if I ask you uh, to finish this for me, you have not because you ask not. That's where this comes from, James 4. Look at the first three verses. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have, because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive, because you ask wrongly. You spend it on your passions. The language that James is using here is language of desire. It's language of longing. He says, you desire and you do not have. You covet and you cannot obtain. There is a desire, there is a longing in all of us that is corrupt, that is sinful. A sinful longing that he's talking about here that, that leads to conflict. It leads to frustration and it leads to destruction. When we quote those words, you have not because you ask not, oftentimes we think this is just a generic invitation to ask. Like you could have anything you wanted if only you would ask for it. You're just not asking. But Jesus isn't teaching us that if only you would direct your sinful longings towards the Father, then He would fulfill them. Like I know you have a lot of corrupt passions and it causes all this conflict, but the problem is you're, you're, you're looking to have them fulfilled in the wrong way. You shouldn't be going to Satan or the world with those desires. Bring them to the Father and He will fulfill them. Obviously not. That's not what Jesus is teaching. Jesus is calling us to righteous longing. To righteous longing. A different kind of longing. Like You may ask the Father for stone, but He won't give it. You may ask the Father for snake, but He won't give it. He'll give you bread and fish instead because you need them. He'll give you bread and fish because they're good. He'll give you more than that. He'll give you something that will help you long for what is good instead of longing for what will destroy you. Jesus says to start asking because the gifts of God are good. The gifts of God are good. How much more, Jesus says, will your Father who is in heaven Give good things to those who ask Him. He wants you to ask Him because His gifts are good. Because He gives what you need. When Jesus tells us to ask the Father, He is reorienting us. He's pointing us away from what destroys us toward what builds us up, what gives us life. tells us to ask the right one. Don't ask the world. Ask the Father for what you need. But then he says, ask for the right thing. Don't ask for what destroys you. Ask for what is good. And that really is the missing question when you think about it. The the ask for what is good. Because when we hear Jesus talk about asking and seeking and knocking, the question that we should have in mind that, that we don't is, for what? Jesus says, ask. Jesus says, seek. Jesus says, knock. And you should say to Jesus, ask for what? Seek what exactly? Knock on what door? What are you talking about? Because without that question, this whole passage becomes something generic. 
And it seems to me that Jesus means something actually quite specific. You can interpret this as if Jesus is saying nobody is asking God for stuff, and if only they would, he would be happy to give it. And that's typically the way we think about this. But the problem Jesus is addressing is people aren't asking for stuff. God is generous. He wants to give us good gifts, but nobody's asking him. And so he's got this overflow of good things that he's just waiting to send if only you would ask. But is that true? Does that seem like a true statement of the human problem that we're not asking for stuff? That the problem with with people is they don't ask God for things? I don't think that's right. I think to the extent that human beings pray at all, all we do is ask God for stuff. Even people who don't pray will make an exception and send up a little prayer if they need something bad enough. Like if there's one problem Jesus doesn't need to address, it's the problem of people not asking God for stuff because obviously we're asking God for stuff all the time. If we read that passage that way, it's as if Jesus is telling us to do something that we're already doing. Like ask, seek, knock. Check, check, check. Thanks, Jesus. Next doctrine, please. But Jesus is telling us to do something that we're not doing. He's calling us to do something that that we aren't actually doing yet. I think he has something more specific in mind. We know that, that there's a good gift that God wants to give us. Because Jesus calls it a good gift. He says God has good gifts. The Father wants to give us good gifts. I think what he's talking about here is the gift of the kingdom. He's telling us to ask for the kingdom, to seek the kingdom. In fact, we don't have to to guess at that. Like, hasn't he just literally told us to do exactly that? If you go back to chapter 6, at the end of chapter 6, didn't he say, seek first the kingdom of God? All these things will be added to you. And then he pauses for a minute. He says something about judging. And then he comes right back and says, seek and you will find. And you say, seek what, Jesus? And Jesus is like, what did I just say? Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. There it is. Where should we knock? Knock on the gates of the kingdom, and the gates will be open to you. We don't need to be told to ask God for stuff, but we do need to be told to ask God for the kingdom. In fact, again, if you go back to chapter 6, Jesus does tell us to ask God for this in the Lord's Prayer. He says, your kingdom come. That's that's urging God to, to bring the kingdom. May your kingdom come. Literally telling us to ask for the kingdom. Because the things you ask for are the things you long for. And all too often, we're longing for the wrong things. We should long for the kingdom. We should be asking for it, seeking it, knocking the door off its hinges if need be, because we desire the kingdom before anything else. But if you're going to start asking for the kingdom, you're going to need the Spirit in you. So Jesus says, start asking because the Spirit is in you. The good gifts that God has to give us, when you think of God giving gifts? Doesn't your mind automatically start thinking about the gifts of the Spirit? But here, 
we can be more specific than that and think not just of the gifts of the Spirit, but the gift of the Spirit. If you look in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, which is Luke's parallel of this passage, he states more or less the same thing in the same words that we find in Matthew with one little difference. In Luke 11.13, Jesus says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more will He give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? To ask for the kingdom, you have to long for the kingdom. And it's the Spirit in you that plants the seeds of longing for that kingdom. Always be asking. Always be seeking. Always be knocking. And the Spirit works in you to increase your longing for the kingdom. Always be asking. Always be seeking. Always be knocking. And the Father gives you the Spirit in ever more generous measure. Always be asking. Always be seeking. Always be knocking. And you will be given Christ you will find more grace and the door to His kingdom will be wide open to you. Jesus redirects our longings and then fulfills them. He tells us what to ask for and He tells us we will receive it. You might think that in the words of Jesus here, we have a picture of the work of Jesus as well. Jesus sees us as we are. He sees that what we long for is what will destroy us. But He doesn't tell us to stop longing. He doesn't say your longings will destroy you, so stop it. Instead, He says keep longing. Act on your longings. Ask for fulfillment. Seek it. Knock on the door until it opens. But then He gives us the Spirit who changes the direction of our longings. The Spirit redirects our hearts so that we begin to love the good and long for the good gifts of God. God's grace doesn't nip desire in the bud. doesn't shut down our hearts. Instead, grace heals desire. Grace heals desire and then fulfills it. Jesus had experienced firsthand the goodness and the generosity of the Father As He beckons to us from the cross, He invites us into that same generosity. Jesus delights in the kindness of the Father. As He speaks for us at the right hand of the Father, He showers us with the Father's good gifts. And if you've ever doubted the goodness and generosity of God our Father, Jesus says, trust Him. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Because He is generous. His gifts are good. His kingdom is here. His Spirit is in you. Start asking, Jesus says. The Father will answer. Thank you for listening. You can find more sermons from Grace and information about joining us for worship by visiting our website at graceforsufalls.org. We also invite you to visit the iTunes store and subscribe to the Sermons of Grace podcast.